Blog Talk Radio.
We pray for blessings We pray for peace Comfort for family Protection while we sleep We pray for healing For prosperity We pray for your mighty hand To ease our suffering All the while You hear each spoken need Yet love is way too much To give us lesser things Cause what if your blessings come through raindrops What if your healing comes through tears What if the seldom sleepless nights Are what it takes to know you're near What if trials of this life Are your mercies in We pray for wisdom, your voice to hear And we cry in anger when we cannot feel you near We doubt your goodness, we doubt your love As if every promise from your word is not The rain, the storms, the 
hardest nights All your mercies in disguise Chapel Blog Talk Radio broadcast for the 17th of January, 2021. 2021, and yes, I am uh, here alone in the studio tonight. Brother Dave called in virtually almost to the last hour, so to speak, (laughs) and was and told me he wasn't feeling well. He was in some pain, and uh, he hadn't slept any last night, and he was really out of it. And he said he would be praying and do his best to be here next week. So we're going to keep Dave in prayer and pray for him. I was really, really, really looking forward to him bringing something tonight. And I'm sure all of you love hearing him uh, as part of the broadcast. And I'm kind of concerned for Dave because of his uh, escalating uh, problems. It looks like he may have to face surgery inevitably. And I'm hoping beyond hope that the Lord will intervene for Dave. And we've been praying and uh I'll tell you, it does take a lot for Dave to miss the broadcast. And so uh, he must be in some pretty well intense, significant pain. Okay, uh, I think I'm just going to proceed tonight. Uh, We're going to go straight into prayer and uh, have a, a number of prayer requests to bring before you because we are here to pray for one another, to love one another and to hear God's word, and to magnify and exalt our Lord. And we have so many, so many different things I'd like to kind of mention right off the bat. And one of them is our, uh, we're still delighting and rejoicing in the news from our sister in Christ, uh, Jamie, Jamie Lynn Crawford Webb, who fought cancer, battled cancer, stage four cancer, by the way went through chemotherapy and radiation and has uh, been given a uh, a reprieve, so to speak. Uh, she had stage four cancer and uh, they did the scans, the PET scans and all the other MRIs and all that. And there's no evidence of the cancer being present, which is a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful answer to prayer. And we are indeed praying for Jamie. We're rejoicing for Jamie. And I want to especially thank everybody in Berean who has been there faithfully for Jamie, praying for her. And uh, I see she's in the studio listening. 
and I want you to know, sis, I uh, was thinking about you today, thinking about everything you've been through. You know what we got to do, Jamie, and I'm I'm serious, sis, is uh, bring you on to the broadcast. Maybe you could share when you're strong enough and your voice is somewhat restored. You can kind of share whatever you want to share for us because now you you can uh, speak truly with authority on what it's like to go through cancer. And uh, there's a lot of us in Berea, and we know folks who have cancer or have fought cancer who are going through cancer and uh, we're not unmindful of everyone who's going through this. Who's dealing with these these matters. We're also praying for uh, rejoicing uh, that that God really proved himself faithful and true throughout all of Jamie's cancer situation and circumstances. The good report we are, we prayed for the good, the good report we all prayed for. And, uh, but I was thinking how faithful God was to Jamie, how he provided needs, how he provided for her, how people rallied around her. I remember when Marianne had cancer, Marianne Bunjevic, she's in heaven now. She fought cancer for five years till she was in a wheelchair. And then she uh, had some physical problems, had to be hospitalized. And it was while she was in the hospital on December 14th, 20. 18, she went to be with the Lord. And uh, I remember when Marianne told me that there were some of those women at the clinic who were fighting cancer, going through cancer, who Marianne would witness to. And some of them told told Marianne that they didn't have any support base. Some of them didn't even have a husband or any kind of support. And uh, in fact, Marianne told me about one woman who had cancer and uh, that her husband picked up and left. And she was fending for herself. And Marianne talked about, please pray for that lady. Her name was um, Molly, I believe it was. And, uh, I just, I'm so grateful for all the folks that rallied around Jamie, that rallied on Jamie's behalf. I mean that, you know, and thank you seems so inadequate, but we do thank God, and I do thank all of you who did, who rallied for Jamie, who were there, who shared her GoFundMe, and keep sharing the GoFundMe. There's still financial needs that are there. And if you're able to uh, donate uh, any love gifts or donations or anything for Jamie, uh, 
it would be it, it would definitely be deeply appreciative appreciated. Okay. So many I've noticed a trend, I don't know about you, but I've noticed a trend in Berean. And one of the trends is uh, a lot of folks are either have family, friends, or uh, themselves uh, have contracted this coronavirus, this COVID. And some are hospitalized, some are recovering. I'm thinking of uh, Pam Turley Abernathy, her her daughter Carol, and her son. Uh, son-in-law Bo Davis, uh, Bo, who is uh, his condition with COVID is worsening, and he's uh, hospitalized and everything. And uh, we're praying for Bo, Bo Davis. We're praying for Pam Turley Abernathy. We're praying for her. We're praying for Carol. Uh, Bo's wife and uh, Pam's daughter, Carol, she's recovering from the COVID, but uh, her husband, Bo, on the other hand, is, is worsening, and so we're praying. I believe that is the, re- the relationships in that dynamic. Then we're, we, of course, we're continuing in prayer for slowly recovering uh, Jim Myers, his wife, Nancy, uh, Nancy and Jim Myers uh, are Bible Prophecy Epicenter friends. Jim contracted the COVID, then contracted pneumonia, and now he's very, very slowly recovering. In fact, he's in medical rehab as we speak, and we're uh, going to keep Jim lifted up in prayer. And then uh, another brother, Jim, Jim Smith, who is related to Carol Ham Smith. Carol Ham Smith. I had a wonderful conversation with Carol Ham Smith about uh, Jim and Bonnie. You've been lifting up Jim and Bonnie. Jim had COVID and then contracted pneumonia. And on top of all that, uh, I believe he has COPD. And we're praying for Jim his situation, circumstances, his medical situation. Uh, It was touch and go there for a while with Jim Smith, and uh, he hung in there. He's in his 80s, friends, and he hung in there, and uh, God preserved him, and now he's very, very slowly getting over the pneumonia. That last report that I talked to Carol and Carol and I, uh, we had a, a wonderful conversation. And uh, I just praise the Lord that, you know, folks bring these prayer requests to us because we do have an opportunity to pray. We're not forgetting our sister in Christ in Australia uh, who's suffering multiple cancer tumors, going through chemo and radiation, just like Jamie did but on a significantly more, uh, I guess you would say, increased dosage because it is multiple tumors. And uh, Lisa Klinecki is her name, Lisa, precious Lisa, her mother. I just became one of her friends on Facebook. 
her mother, Judy. Pray for Judy and pray for uh, Lisa Klinecki. And we're just, uh, we're going to keep lifting Lisa in prayer. Uh, when God leads these people into our, across our path and or into our lives, uh, most of the times it's because God wants us to present a witness to these folks. And some of them are in desperate need of a witness, somebody to encourage them. Because as uh, far as I know, Lisa, Lisa has a very small support base. And uh, when she uh, came across our path and the Lord kind of spoke to my heart as a pastor and said, you know, uh, I'm going to show you some mighty things with Jamie Crawford Webb. And uh, these things are needed to encourage Lisa Klinecki. And so uh, it has been an encouragement for Lisa and for Judy, uh, Lisa's mother. And uh, we're we're, we're definitely going to keep lifting Lisa Klinecki up in prayer, fighting cancer in faraway Australia. You know, they may be 10,000 miles away from us, folks, but they're only a prayer away from our heart. And uh, distance just evaporates. The distance evaporates in our uh, prayer time and our prayer walk and all of that. We're also praying for uh, Linda Hurt Risinger, Linda Hurt Risinger's brother, John Allen. Uh, Linda Hurt has asked for prayer for him. He has the COVID. And uh, we're praying for John. John Allen, we're going to pray for him. We're going to pray for Linda Hurt Risinger. We're not going to stop. We're also praying for Glenda, Linda's sister, Glenda. Glenda Hurt, we're praying for her as well. Unspoken prayer request there, folks, and uh, keep that in your prayers. We're also praying for our sister in Christ in Berean. Her name is Gail Banks Robinson. Gail. Gail, we're praying for you. We're praying for these cardiopulmonary medical issues that you're going through, that you're walking through these pain and affliction, and we're praying for you. Gail Banks Robinson, keep her on your prayer list, please. Debbie Hayes. Debbie Hayes is hospitalized with pneumonia. We remember praying for Debbie Hayes when she had cancer, but she's recovered from the cancer and yet has contracted pneumonia and has had to be re-hospitalized. And so she's back in the hospital, and we're praying for Debbie Hayes, a precious sister in Christ. I want to say something about Debbie. I deeply appreciate Debbie Hayes. She is uh, one of those sisters in Christ that privately contacted me on a number of occasions to encourage me, to give encouragement to me, to encourage me to uh, uh, continue on as a pastor, continue on in God's word. And she expressed uh, appreciation for the ministry and also for the fellowship and also for the uh, 
uh, service that we both share in the Lord. And it was really remarkable. Uh, some some of the times that Debbie Hayes contacted me, it was always in moments of need. And, I, and, and I'm talking about things I, I didn't share with anyone except perhaps my wife and maybe our staff. But somehow, always, without fail, uh, Debbie Hayes would... Uh, I would just I would I would receive a message from her, or she would uh, send me a private chat message, or she would, uh, you know, encourage when encouragement was needed. And it was truly I recognized more often than not that it was a God thing. It was a uh, what did the sisters call it? A God wink or something. <laughs> Just more of a, a very much appropriate time. I've had that with uh, our sister in Christ, Debbie King Killian, on occasion. She has done that as well, and so has my staff. Uh, Cheryl Pixley Johnson, we're praying for Cheryl. Everyone remembers she had the massive heart attack, recovered from that, but she is very much prone to fatigue and breathing, lung problems and issues and medical issues and all. And uh, we're rejoicing that her medical disability did come through. And I'm very grateful for Cheryl Pixley Johnson getting that. We had prayed for Cheryl for some length of time that God would open that uh, door to her for provision. And God did. And so... We're also praying for Kathy Lindell and Kathy and Lindell Stanley. They're both recovering they're, uh, for the co- from the COVID. It's a slow recovery, especially for Lindell, because he had pre-existing medical conditions. So we're going to keep uh, Lindell and lifted in prayers. Lindell Stanley and our sister in Christ, Kathy Stanley, and the family, of course. Speaking of families, we're praying for uh, Rose Stating, Rose Roberts Stating, and her children. She has four children. Her husband went to be with the Lord. Uh, I believe it was before Thanksgiving, before the ho- onset of the ho- the holiday season, and uh, she's you know in the thick of it with uh, as a uh, a widow and uh, with children and all of that and. She's requested prayer for her uh, self and her children, but also for her parents, Ray and Barbara Roberts. Her dad, Ray, uh, suffers from uh, Alzheimer's. And, of course, you know, the mother, uh, her mother, Barbara, is there. And we're going to pray for Rose stating and the children, and we're going to pray for uh, Rose's uh, parents, Ray and Barbara Roberts, them in your prayers. And then we're praying for our sister in Christ, uh, Sandra Inglis. Sandra Inglis, uh, she lives in Scotland, uh, Falkirk, Scotland. And Sandra Inglis is a precious, precious sister in Christ. She has family members there in Falkirk and uh 
the situation with this uh, United Kingdom variant of the COVID, the aggressive, contagious variant, and uh, they they haven't, as, as far as I know, they haven't caught the COVID, but they are susceptible to it. The her parents, her family members, and we're praying for Sandra. Okay. Uh, we're praying for Sandra and the family there in uh, Falkirk, Scotland. Uh, other prayer requests, uh, our sister in Christ, Katie Chopper. We're going to pray for Katie Chopper. These are all people God just laid on my heart. we, we got to pray for these folks, and so here we are. Uh, some have listed prayer requests. Some haven't. So, you know, these are unspoken, but the Lord has me to bring it before you. Uh, Dennis and Linda Dodd, we're praying for Dennis and Linda Dodd. And we're praying for Sister in Christ, Nancy Mako. Nancy Mako uh, lives in uh, New York, I believe, New York City. Praying for Nancy Mako. We're praying for Sister in Christ, Judy Paris. Judy. Judy Paris and... uh, uh, California, I believe she's in California. We're praying for Janice Klein Proctor, Raylene Prothero. Please keep Janice Klein Proctor in your prayers, uh, please. And uh, also Raylene Prothero. Raylene has uh, gone, uh, traveled from Florida to, I believe it was Ohio, where she was going to. I believe it was lay her son to rest is her son died and uh, fighting cancer, I believe it was. And uh, Raylene Prothero, please keep Raylene in your prayers. Uh, Brian and Helena Mills, Brian and Helena, Brian, if you're listening to me, I love you, brother. Uh, Hug your wife for me and Patty. We're lifting you in prayer. We're lifting you and your family in prayer, and especially your father. Pray for Brian's father. He had a terrible fall before the holidays, and then another fall, I believe, and the situation is is very tenuous there, and we're praying for Brian's dad and uh, in that situation. Pray for Sister in Christ. Uh, Linda Eihinger, Linda Eihinger, we're praying for you, sis. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, I want you to know we're lifting you in prayer. Our sister in Christ in the Netherlands, in the country of Holland, there in the European Union, Yolanda Deeks, Yolanda Deeks. Yolanda's mother has very serious medical issues. So please pray for uh, Yolanda's uh, mother. We're praying for her. And these are just uh, a few of the prayer requests that we've been praying for here in Berean. And I just want to uh, go to prayer, pray, uh, especially uh, before I forget, let me mention Jamie's mother and father. Jamie Lynn Crawford Webb's mother and father, uh, Mary. Her mother's name is Mary. Um, and pray for uh, Jamie's father. I believe he's in the early stages of dementia. 
and uh, we're praying for him. We're also praying for Jamie and pray for uh, Sierra, Jamie's daughter, her son, Eric, and pray for uh, Sierra's husband, Chase, and the children, Chase Jr. and little baby Brooklyn. And so we're gonna we're gonna pray for that family as well. We don't want us to uh, overlook anybody. I'm that old military guy with the gray hair who goes by the old adage, "Never leave anybody behind." No, I don't want to leave anybody behind in prayer. We're praying for our sister Kathy Hunt. We're praying for Martin and Anita Munford. We're praying for Malia and her family, Malia Fountain and her family. Uh, and we're praying for the ministry. I ask you to pray for the ministry. I ask you to pray especially for our our outreach group here on Facebook called Bible Prophecy Epicenter. God's been leading me towards some uh, significant changes there, approach on how we have the epicenter function. We have thousands of people who are members of Epicenter. Majority of them never post a word. They just read everything there. And they're still members. They haven't withdrawn as members. And so, uh, you know, we want to be the best witness for the Lord Jesus. We want a gospel witness and a prophetic message witness there too. And we don't want to just include, you know, post about politics or the latest current events and all of that kind of garbage. I'm talking about I'm talking about presenting in Epicenter and kind of Kathy Hunt stirred this, although she doesn't realize it. But Kathy Hunt kind of brought this to my heart a, a, a while back when she was asking about the gospel be more evident, more frequent. And uh that's exactly what I want I want to see and Bible prophecy epicenter. I want it to be about Bible prophecy. I want it to be about uh, the gospel and what the gospel included. You know, Bible prophecy doesn't stand alone in God's word. Bible prophecy is in God's word to stir up the church to share the gospel. Okay, because in light of the hour and the lateness of the hour and all the rest of it, we want to make sure that our ministries. Our outreach ministries, especially, do indeed present the gospel. And, you know, the gospel can't be represented in a, just a video from Chappie. The gospel has to be evident there. It has to be seen there. And also, when we talk about Bible prophecy, we want people interested in what's being talked about. You know what I mean? We want to let God's Holy Spirit stir up hearts. And so we want to make sure we have some sound Bible prophecy teaching there in Epicenter so that when people hear about Epicenter, they think instantly, oh, I heard a message there once. Or, yeah, I remember that sermon I heard there. Or I remember that video. And I don't want it to be all about Bill Herman's videos or Bill Herman's messages or Bill Herman's sermons. I don't want that. I want it to be about Jesus Christ. I want it to be about men of God and, yes, in some instances, women, 
who can present a witness for the Lord, a witness for the Lord. There are some sound Bible prophecy teaching out there, and we want to kind of direct its way to epicenter so that the witness for the Lord is given the preeminence, okay? That's the significant changes that are coming to epicenter in 2021. Don't I don't know when it's going to happen, you know, but I, I would be delighted if it happens sooner rather than later. And so that we have an opportunity to reach into people's hearts and lives. We have a pool of 2,000 plus members there in epicenter. I mean, that's a large amount of people, and you can't presume or assume that all of them are saved. You know, you just, you can't do that, folks. I'm sorry. You know, some are religious. They're not saved. They're religious. Some are involved in religious denominations. Doesn't mean they're all saved. We want to present the gospel and and lift up Jesus and let God's Holy Spirit draw, do the drawing, you know. Jesus talks about the net being cast, the the dragnet being cast. And, you know, dragnet, it's a giant net you toss into the water. And it's got, you let it open up and spread out, and then you draw it in, you know. And it could be some little fish way off to the right that nobody can see. You can you don't even know it's there. But that's the fish that gets caught in the net. And that's the one that, you know, that's what we're doing. Jesus says we're fishers of men, my friends and brothers and sisters. And so uh, we want Epicenter to be that, where we are fishing for men and women. Do you understand what I'm saying? I hope you do. And I hope you agree. And that you will pray. Pray for that. Okay. I think I've talked enough. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we just we just come before your throne of grace, Lord. And we are uh we are so grateful for this opportunity to bring these prayer requests to you, Lord. For Dave and for uh Pam and Bo and Carol and Jim and our other brother, Jim, and Nancy, and Bonnie, and our sister in Christ, Carol Ham-Smith, and Lisa, and her mother, Judy, dealing with cancer in faraway Australia. Uh, Linda Hurt and her, her brother, John Allen. Glinda Hurt, we're praying for them. For Gail. Gail Banks Robinson, we're praying for her. For Debbie Hayes, there in the hospital, we're praying for her. You know, Lord Jesus, we're praying for Debbie's husband. We're praying for Debbie's family. But we're praying for Debbie, Lord, and fighting this pneumonia in her weak and frail condition, Lord. We're praying for Debbie. We're praying for Lindell and Kathy. Stanley, we're praying for Rose and her children. We're praying for uh, Rose's parents, Ray and Barbara Roberts. We're praying for Cheryl, 
Pixley Johnson. We're praying for Malia and Anita and and Malia's family. We're praying for uh, Anita and her husband Martin. We're praying for Kathy Hunt. We're praying for uh, Dave. We're praying for Dave Lord. We're praying for uh, the entire staff and all the members of Berean. We're praying for. Katie Chopper and Sandra Inglis and Scotland and Yolanda Deeks and Holland. We're praying for her. We're praying for Janice Klein Proctor and Raylene Prothero. We're praying for Linda Eihinger and Katie Chopper and Dennis and Linda Dodd. Debbie King Killian and her family, Lord. The unspoken prayer request that Debbie King Killian may have, Lord. Linda Eihinger, we're praying for her, Lord. Judy Paris. Lord, there's so many of these precious, precious folks we pray for, sometimes every week, sometimes every day. All the ministry of this ministry, that it would magnify and exalt you. And we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to pray for this ministry. Lord Jesus, Sometimes the weight gets heavy to carry and the burden is so, so evident and the heart breaks and there's that uh, tears being bottled up in our present, our presence, Lord, when you're present with us. And Lord Jesus, well, I thank you for all these precious saints, Lord entrusted to my care as a pastor. Lord Jesus, we've been serving you here in Berea. And all of us, all of us long to be with you. Some of us have gone to be with you, Lord. We don't know what this year holds, Lord. We don't even know what the next four days are going to hold. But we know we are held in your hands and we are held in the Father's hands. And Father God, we are trusting you. We're trusting your word. We ask you, Lord, to bless us and keep us. Help us to be what we ought to be. Hear our cry, Lord. Hear our request, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the sky. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth.
this is what it's all about right here. Yeah. 
Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and uh, we're going to be getting into God's Word in a moment in a message entitled, Knowing the Authentic from the Counterfeit, Knowing the Authentic from the Counterfeit, and this is a message that is uh, very, very important for all of you because of the lateness of the hour where we're at and uh, in God's timetable. And I hope you're prepared. I hope you're ready. I pray you're ready tonight to go deep into God's word because there is much to unpack, much to unpack in this Bible study. And please don't get distracted. Please, please, please don't get distracted. Because uh, if I'm convinced of one thing about this message, this particular message, it's this. That is God's Holy Spirit is saying to you right now, listen, 
up. Listen up. There's, understand something. There's no almond milk. There's no almond milk of the word found in this message. I hope you're ready to get some serious, serious thoughts before the Lord. Because tonight, right here in this message, we're going to be feasting on the milk of God's word. Make no mistake. This is meat and potatoes time. Do you not? If I could be so bold, this is meat and potatoes time, folks. And I hope you're prepared here at God's banquet table tonight. Okay, let's pray. Father God, we just pray for the message. We pray for the saints. We pray that tonight they would hear you speaking, not Bill Herman, not Chaplain Bill, not Chappie, but they would hear you speaking. This is probably, Lord Jesus, one of the most important chapters in all of the Word of God. And Father God, we're going to get into this chapter in another chapter in just a moment. Use tonight, Lord. Empty this message of me. It's my earnest desire that you would empty this message of me, Lord, and would speak to hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, this is this is what pastors and and yes, chaplains and uh, ministers and and elders and whatever you want to whatever adjective you want to attach. This is what is called a a home folks message. This is for you, all of you, all of you listening, all of you there in, in Berean Bible Chapel, all of you. This is for you to listen to, okay? This is a message God wants you to hear, and I'm convinced of that because he spoke to my heart about this message uh, very much so. This isn't something hastily prepared this is something that's been immersed in prayer, and it's uh, designed and, and, and written and, and going to be presented for you, okay? All right? Uh, we're, we look around us in this world, and we know the lateness of the hour. We know what we're we, – there's no, there's no having to tell us what's going on here, Okay? I don't need any secret knowledge from anybody. I don't need any secret knowledge or any kind of uh, uh, extra-biblical or para-biblical revelations or dreams, visions, or all the rest. I don't need none of that to tell me what's happening and to tell me where we are in the lateness of this hour and, and what lies what lies ahead. Right now, for the next four days, to, counting today, for the next four days, uh, there's all kind of doom and gloom being forecast and predicted, and and they consider these they consider everything so serious. They sent 25,000 military troops to one place. This is not. This has never been done in the history of this nation. Have we seen twenty-five thousand military 
troops sent into one area. And uh, irregardless if something happens or nothing happens, God is still speaking. Speaking to a lost and dying world to repent and, and turn to Christ. That's what God is speaking to a lost and dying world. And lots of people, they don't want to repent. They don't want, they don't see no need to repent. They think they can do it all themselves. They think they can do whatever needs to be done themselves and all this kind of garbage. And it is garbage because we live in a society where it's garbage in, garbage out, garbage in, garbage out. And I'm sorry if this sounds a little dismissive of everything and, Maybe you thought coming here was a prophet prophecy message and 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 I would quote your favorite quotes and all this kind of stuff and that's not why we're here tonight. Tonight we're here to see the authentic from the counterfeit. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse one, for we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved We have a building of God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. Paul, what does this mean? Well, you know, this is really, really eloquent, but you know what it means? It means we want to go to heaven. We want to go be with the Lord. You see that word, we? talking about Bible believers. It's used 26 times in this passage of Scripture. And it's talking about believers. The we only applies to believers. Okay? We. Every time you see the word we in what I'm about to read, think believers. Think you. Me. Us. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven. If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. In other words, you know, when you're naked, there's nothing hidden, friends. There's there's nothing hidden. It's all out there. It's all obvious. But see, down here on earth, this side of eternity... We're all looking at the looking for the authentic, and half the time we're gazing at the counterfeit. We're looking at what's true and genuine. We're looking for that, but we instead we're seeing the counterfeit and the deception. And the enemy wants us to look at the deception and the counterfeit and say that's the truth, and and ignore and disregard the authentic and the genuine. And that's what Paul's saying here. And he's telling us there's only one place you're going to see. You're going to know and be known. You're going to know the authentic from the counterfeit. And that is when you have the mind of Christ and you are in Christ's presence and you are no longer bound by the constraints and restraints of this earth and sin and iniquity and all of its influences and all of those things. For we, 
for we that are in this tabernacle, the tabernacle he's referring to is our bodies, by the way. For we that are in this tabernacle do groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but clothed upon that mortality might be swallowed up of life. In other words, in Corinthians, he words it another way. This, this mortality puts on immortality. He's telling us that we're go- hey, we're getting ready to go to heaven, folks. Are you ready? Are you ready to see the authentic from the counterfeit? Are you ready? Now, he that wrought us for the very same thing is God. God is the one who wants to give us that heavenly. He wants us to be where he is. If I go and prepare a place for you, I come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's the promise Jesus gives us, and that's what God's heart's desire is, is that we would be with him. And that's our heart's desire. And the older you get, the more that heart's desire is evident in you. When we're young, we think we, we can live forever. We think we, we can get through anything and go through anything and be and do anything. And then when we get old, uh, I'm 68 years old, and I'm 68 years old, and I'm amazed how much the elderly saints that I knew when I was in my 20s, 30s, and 40s, I'm amazed at how much the elderly saints knew. Because now I know it. God is the one who is doing this very same thing. He's the one who wrought us from the very thing, is for the very same thing is God who also hath given unto us the earnest of the Spirit. What is the earnest of the Spirit? It's the Holy Spirit nudging your heart. It's the Holy Spirit reminding you of truth. It's the Holy Spirit showing you what's counterfeit and what's authentic, what matters and what doesn't matter. It's when you understand that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And that if we're smart, if we're really going to be smart and we're really going to be in pleasing him, we're going to align ourselves with him in his word and his son gave us, he's given unto us the earnest of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. Circle that verse, verse 7. We walk by faith, not by sight. Uh, You know what? The world teaches you to walk by sight, not by faith. The world tells you this world system, the wickedness, the spiritual wickedness, the deception, all of the false teaching, all of the rest of it, everything in this world tells you 
walk by sight, not by faith. The world doesn't want you to have faith. The world is jealous of your faith. It's angry of your faith. It hates your faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. That is a key verse in this whole passage. In this side of eternity, we walk by faith, not by sight. When we're in heaven, we it's, it's, we, it's our faith that brought us there. Who is the faith rest in? Jesus Christ. Does it rest in yourself? No. Does it rest in myself? No. People don't depend on me to get them to heaven. They depend on Jesus Christ to get them to heaven. They depend on me to be true to heaven. They depend on me to be true to the word. They depend on me to be true to Jesus. But they can't impose or force me to be true to Jesus when true to God's word and true to heaven. That's my choice, just as it is your choice. You say, this sounds like a strange message. Well, I'm, t- I'm showing you the authentic from the counterfeit. thing about counterfeits, it looks almost authentic. And those who, who are involved in uh, recognizing the counterfeit from the authentic, they don't study the, the uh, counterfeit money. They study the real money to recognize the counterfeit money. The more you study the real, the more you're attuned to the authentic, the genuine, the more genuine and authentic you become. The more knowledge you attain, the more wisdom and understanding you have. The more discernment God can give you by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. There's another verse to circle if you haven't already. Where do we get our confidence? It's understanding that we're, when we're absent from the body, we're present with the Lord. We don't have to be unconfident. We don't have to have our confidence shaken. When we're with the Lord, there's nothing but confidence. For we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Christ, of him. For, here it is, Verse 10, how late is the hour? Here's how late the hour is. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. The judgment seat of Christ is not a place where you go and, oh, no, I'm going to be beaten with a whip or I'm going to be I'm going to be judged you're going to drag all my sins out and show everybody that's not what it's about friends your sins are if you've trusted Christ and accepted Christ repented and turned to Christ if you've done those things your sins are already accounted for 
the judgment seat of Christ is to show why you did what you did. What was your motivation? What was your motivation? What were the thoughts and intents of your heart? And they will be made manifest. And here's a truth from God's word. You will get a chance to tell Jesus what your motivation and intents were. I wanted to lead that person to Christ, Lord. I wanted to win my loved one to Christ, Lord. I was I, I, I was trying to do everything I could to win people to Christ, to win my family to Christ, to win my loved one to Christ. The judgment seat of Christ is called the Bema seat. Bema, B-E-M-A, Bema seat. It means up with Christ. It's when we are there before the Lord and everything is revealed. You say, oh, I don't want such and such revealed. Then confess it before God. In prayer, just go to him. Is there something you're hiding in your heart? The lateness of the hour tells me and should tell you that you don't have any more time to hide things from the Lord. You don't have any more time to hide things away and to, and to, and to uh, you know, figuratively or spiritually or whatever you want to define it as, to put them in a box and hide them somewhere. If there's sin in your life of any kind, confess it now. You're running out of time to do so. You don't want to go to the judgment seat of Christ. And here's the, here's the thing to consider. Unconfessed sins, it's a very dangerous thing. Very dangerous thing. And if you're not certain, then just confess the sin. His, his blood, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to clean you from all unrighteousness. All of it. So that when you do go, and if the trumpet sounds and we're all standing in heaven and it's time for the judgment seat of Christ, You're ready. There's nothing you have to be afraid of. The Lord knows how human we are. We trust him. We we, ter- we, we ter- trust him. Walking by faith and not by sight goes against this entire wicked, evil world system. Everything entails our personal relationship. Yours, mine, ours, with Jesus. But the question asked, what faith are you walking by? Faith in yourself? Counterfeit faith? Or biblical faith? Counterfeit faith or biblical faith? The authentic or the counterfeit? Counterfeit faith teaches that we need to burn down all the biblical faith in its entire paradigm and start over. Counterfeit Christianity seeks to burn it all down from the biblical and replace it with the counterfeit paradigm. I'm serious here. Counterfeit Christianity, counterfeit faith is an oxymoron. Oh, it's there. 
It exists. It's a dichotomy. But more importantly, it's a sin-filled paradox to be dominant and preeminent over all. That's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to make your authentic faith counterfeit. He wants you to hide away the sin. He doesn't want you to confess your sins. He doesn't want you to return to Christ. He doesn't want you to give your entire life over to Christ. The enemy doesn't want you to do that. He wants you to put it in your head that somehow you can, you know, hide it away. But Jesus says, there is nothing hidden that shall not be revealed. There is nothing secret that will not be made known. And the lateness of the hour shows me the judgment seat of Christ is not far away. It's not years and years and years away. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. What will be judged? Your works, your thoughts, your words, your secrets, your motives. How will we be judged? By the fire of God's truth, by the fire of his holiness. And the Bible it tells us that some will be wood, hay, and stubble, and some will be gold and precious. And some will receive crowns, and some won't receive crowns. But everybody goes to the judgment seat of Christ. Some of us will get there, and you think you're going there, and you don't have anything waiting for you. You don't think you ever made an impact or a difference or a distinction in anyone's life. You think, oh, I've done nothing. And you're going to get there. You're going to see this crown, and it's going to be, it's going to get your attention. You're going to look at it. You're going to go, my goodness, look at that. Who does that go to? And then you're going to stand before the Lord and he's going to reach over and pick up that crown and hand it to you. Because in your humility, you were faithful and true. And you never talked about yourself or you never sought any glory or any praise or anything. You just wanted to be loved and accepted And so you were faithful and true to God's word. And yes, you shared God's word. And Jesus might even hand you the crown and then tell you to turn around and look. Look behind you. See all those people? They're here because of you. They're here because of you. You were faithful to me. You were faithful to God's word. You were faithful. 
we think our actions and our conduct have no significance in determining the authentic from the counterfeit. Actually, they have everything to do with showing what's authentic, who's authentic, who's genuine, and who's counterfeit, who's a deceiver. Christ. Christ is the one. Understand something. The judgment seat of Christ is God's grace on display. It's showing you that everything you did, everything you went through, everything you walked through, how you responded is important. How we respond are important. Are we faithful to God's word? There will be rewards for being faithful to God's word. Uh, Are you faithful? You say, well, I don't necessarily care about getting any rewards. Well, that's rightly so. We shouldn't be in it for the benefits or the rewards. We should be in this. We should be faithful and true. We should be authentic and genuine because Jesus is true, because God's word is true. And we're doing it all for Jesus anyway. The enemy wants you to do it all for yourself. It's all about self. Counterfeit faith, counterfeit Christianity. You know what it is when you really stop and think about it? Counterfeit faith, counterfeit Christianity, it's the antifa of the Antichrist spirit. It's the Antifa. No restraints, no constraints. The counterfeit hates biblical faith and hates biblical Christianity and hates the biblical Christ. Hates Jesus, our Lord. Jesus says they're going to hate you because they hated me first. But they're not hating you for your sake. They're hating you for my sake. Because they refuse to repent. Because their days are evil. Paul tells us redeem the time because the days are evil. And brothers and sisters, it's when you need 25,000 troops. That shows there is evil around. Even if it's unprecedented. All the counterfeit Christian pastors, teachers, yes, even theologians who are counterfeit. They want to make Christianity in their own image and not the image of Jesus Christ, but the image of self. It's all about self, not the Savior. There's a distinction in the counterfeit 
biblical faith, biblical Christianity seeks to exalt and magnify Jesus Christ. Teaching we must know Christ and make Christ known. No room for self there. All of chapter 5. We haven't even finished reading chapter 5, have we? Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. For we commend not ourselves again unto you, but give you occasion to glory on our behalf that you may have somewhat to answer them who glory in appearance and not in heart. For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be of sober mind, it is for your cause. For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all, that they who live should not henceforth live unto themselves. It's not about self. We're not in this for ourselves. We're in this for Jesus. Should not live henceforth unto ourselves, but unto him who died for them and rose again. It's all about living for Jesus. That's what Paul's saying here. In light of the approaching judgment seat of Christ, let's live for Jesus. That's what he's saying. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. In other words, we're not about praising men. Yes, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. In other words, you don't know Jesus after you get saved the same way you knew about Jesus before you got saved. When you get, when you get saved and you know Jesus, you're living for Jesus. You're all in for Jesus. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, and he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new, and all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that Christ was in, God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We beg you, in Jesus' name, in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. For he hath made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. To make him known. All of chapter 5 that I just read, all of chapter 5 that I just read, it makes and includes mention of the judgment seat, the Bema seat of Christ, and then 
reminds us that's what awaits all Bible-believing Christians. But then Paul takes us back to determining the distinction of what it is to be saved. What happened at Calvary? What was Jesus and God doing at Calvary? Distinction is we were being saved. Christ was saving us. God was bringing us to him, detailing just what happened at Calvary and why it did happen. I mean, seriously, these verses 17 through 21 are very powerful, unpacked details of our salvation and redemption. He who knew no sin was made sin for us, that we would be made the righteousness of God. Look at verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, a new creation, a new creature. All things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Let me tell you something. If, if, if you got saved and nothing happened to you, you didn't change your life, you kept on going your own way and all that kind of stuff, I would really examine yourself whether you're in the faith. I would really examine yourself whether you're really saved. Jesus changes us. He changes us. He makes all things new. All of us, everything about us becomes new. When I got saved, uh, let me before I got saved, I was I cursed like a drunken sailor. Profanity was part of my lingo. And I didn't drop f bombs. F bombs were part of my normal vac- vac- vernacular. I was a filthy, wretched, cursing, ungodly. I, I, I was, uh, oh, my, my life was just horrible. I would either, if I hadn't gotten saved, I'd be dead in jail somewhere. I'd either be dead or in jail somewhere. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. I'd be sitting in hell right now, come to Christ. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, and I know that. I know what I was capable of. I was the guy your mother warned you about, ladies. I'm serious. Then Christ saved me. And everything changed. He changed me. Everything about me changed. Everything. And after I got saved, I went to find people who I knew who knew me. They needed to see the new Bill. They needed to see the new Bill Herman. They needed to see the new guy. They needed to hear about the guy who changed Bill Herman. And I tried to find as many people, starting with my own father, who needed Jesus desperately. And for 40 years, I thought to bring my father to Christ, and he never, to my knowledge, ever came to Christ. But he cannot stand before God and say he never heard about Jesus. Because he heard it from me. He saw him in me. He could, he may have mocked and ridiculed me and all the rest of how wicked and evil he was. That was him. That wasn't me. 
Christ changed me. I'm not that same guy. All things, not some things, all things become new. Not some things, not a few things, but it says all things become new. Either God's word is true or it's not true. Become new. Then you look at verses 18 through 20. All things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, given to us the ministry of reconciliation. It says us there. All believers are given the ministry of reconciliation. All of you have the opportunity to reconcile folks to God, all of you. That's what it means when it says go and share the gospel. Go and, 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 and give the gospel. Go into all the world and share the gospel. Make disciples of all nations. All of us are not just become biblical Christians. We are become living witnesses. We are living messages of God's grace. And we are living messengers who are given the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation. The word, by the way, is Jesus Christ. He's the word made flesh. All of us are given Jesus Christ, all of us. I'm not not any better than any other Christian. I'm not superior to anybody in Berean Bible Chapel or anywhere else for that matter. Greater. I'm not a servant who's going to uh, a, a servant of the Lord who's going to lord over everybody. That's not me. That's not who I am. That's not what God made me. I'm a sinner saved by God's grace. We are messengers. All of us. We thus are ambassadors. We are ambassadors. Believers are ambassadors for Christ. And here's the takeaway. What's the takeaway here? If we're all of us ambassadors for Jesus Christ, what's the takeaway? It's this, unspoken truth. An ambassador answers to the king of the kingdom of heaven. We are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We beg you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. He's talking to our unsafe family, unsafe friends. He's talking to people who need Jesus Christ. He's talking to backsliders who need to come back to Jesus Christ. Be you reconciled to God. We beg you. We beg you. In Christ's dead, in Jesus' name. If Jesus was here, he would say the same thing. Be you reconciled to God. For he hath made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Who would have ever thought that Bill Herman would become the righteousness of God? I never thought it in a million years. And yet here I am. 46 years after being saved. Lifting up Jesus Christ. 
and the righteousness of God found in Jesus Christ. And telling you, if you don't know Christ, you can, you can be the righteousness of God in Jesus. Because that's what happened. Paul takes us back to Calvary. He takes us back to the cross. And what is contained in the finished work of Christ, that's what Jesus did. And when Jesus on the cross said, it is finished, it is accomplished. Then the ministry of reconciliation and the word of reconciliation was established for all time. Counterfeit faith presents a counterfeit gospel. Counterfeit faith presents a counterfeit Christ. Counterfeit faith presents counterfeit Christianity. They don't recognize God's word as authoritative. They don't want you to win people to Christ. They don't want you to give the ministry of reconciliation. The counterfeits don't. To them just becomes not, it doesn't become the word of God. They call it the word of men. They don't recognize Bible prophecy or the scripture's prophetic content. They don't understand anything. The counterfeit and the authentic are diametrically opposed to one another. The counterfeit, the counterfeit Christians, the counterfeit faith people, they don't even recognize God's view of love found in scripture. Their view of love is not based in view of God's love. It's always, without exception, carnally based, sexually based. For instance, counterfeit Christian pastor Nadia Boltz-Weber, she argues that it is a holy thing to have a one-night stand and to have an affair. It's not sexual sin. Because she subscribes to the thesis that sexuality is godly in all of its forms and respects, irregardless of gender, irregardless of what God's word teaches. In such a paradigm, the counterfeit Christian, the counterfeit can justify sexual sin and iniquity of any kind. They can justify any sin or iniquity for that matter. They can justify defiance and rebellion against God's word. And they can even justify rebellion against God himself. They cherry pick what the Bible contains. They, They cherry pick what in the Bible to believe and what to dismiss and disregard. And it, it, it becomes to them an art form. And it's the epitome of having a form of godliness, form of godliness, but that denies the power of godliness. That's what the counterfeit is. They deny God's power. They deny God's spirit. They deny God's Holy Spirit power. They deny God's son. They deny every aspect of biblical faith. Authentic and genuine biblical faith. You see, being a Christian 
when you stop and think, wait a minute, let's stop. Being a Christian isn't about intellectually conceiving what God's word says in doctrine and teachings. It's not about checking the boxes and saying, oh, I checked the boxes, I'm good. It's about repenting and seeing ourselves as sinners in need of a Savior. It's about coming to Christ and knowing we need him in his finished work on the cross. And we need to be washed in his blood to be cleansed from our sins. So we go back to 2 Corinthians, what we just read in chapter 5. And then we see God's truth being proclaimed and declared there at Calvary when he who knew no sin, he was made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God. We don't become Christians for the benefits or the rewards. We become Christians because Christ is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. We become Christians because God loved us and draws us to himself. And we recognize the authentic from the counterfeit by God's Holy Spirit and by God's word. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? For what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? You are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be you separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you unto myself, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty, the authentic always. The genuine always lift up Christ in God's word. The counterfeit, not so much. But the counterfeit, you see, they're the ones who will be here when we're gone. And they'll bring in the one world government. They'll bring in the Antichrist. They'll cheer him on. And they'll all inevitably wind up in the lake of fire. I have people tell me there is no lake of fire. There is no hell, blah, blah, blah. Then I remind him of Calvary and God in heaven sending his son to die on the cross so that they can avoid hell in the lake of fire. We 
beseech you, we beg you in Christ's stead, unsafe sinner, backslidden Christian, I beg you in Christ's stead, be you reconciled to God. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this your message. I hope folks were blessed and listened. Lord Jesus, bless these saints. We pray, Lord, that we would glorify you. Keep us all and our families safe in your hollowed hand. No matter what happens over these next four days, no matter what happens, Lord, we are in your hands. And we are trusting you, Lord. We are trusting you. Forgive us where we fail you. Help us to be what we ought to be. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen. All right, beloved, we're down to the last minute. So I'm going to go out with the hymn. Good night and God bless you.